Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. For the sake of clarity, I don't know what path Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley think they have. I don't. I don't know how it's possible that they think they have a path. I mean, I know DeSantis, he'll tell you all sorts of things right now. He will tell you that they, they've thrown everything at this race. They've thrown the kitchen sink at, at, at this race. Where's the money? That's the question. Where in the world is the money? Where's the money, Lebowski? You want that money, Lebowski? Bunny says you're good for it. What are you without the money? How in the world do you expect this to work if you don't have the money to run the race? This is this is madness, I tell you. Complete and total madness. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. How does he continue? Again, he can talk big. But it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have the money to get you to the next place. And, and he doesn't. He flat out does not. This is an issue. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's convinced that she can stay. How? How in the world does Nikki Haley think that she can stay in this race? She's going to tell you that she has punched her ticket. No, wait, that was Ron DeSantis who told you that he had punched his ticket. Now I have Nikki Haley saying that, my gosh, as a matter of fact, I'm so popular in this two-person race that if 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 uh, Donald Trump isn't going to debate me, well, then there's no debate. You said this morning there have been five debates in the Republican primary so far, and the next one you do will either be against Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Just to put a finer point on it, you're not going to do a debate here in New Hampshire unless Donald Trump is on the stage. I mean, that's who... I'm running against. That's who I want. That's at the end of the day. He's the front runner. He's the one that I'm seven points away from. He's the one that we're fighting for. There is nobody else I need to debate. I have had five strong debates 
and have done plenty of them. He can't hide forever. At some point, he's got to get on a debate. Have you stage. told ABC put out a statement saying that uh, they want you to tell them officially by five o'clock today? Have you already done that? They are very aware that I've said, is Donald Trump going to be on that stage? They don't need to be asking me. They need to be asking him. Mm-hmm. If he's on that stage, I'm there. Yeah, he's not there. I forgot if I said hello. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Is there a Hail Mary play, though? I know people have been writing about it, people have been talking about it, and I, I don't mind that they do. And and while some people are convinced that the argument is um, Ron DeSantis has to get out of this race, uh, and that way he can save himself uh, for for the future, uh, I don't. I don't think that's it. I actually think that they don't lose anything by sticking around for as long as they can. But what do they expect to happen by their sticking around for as long as they can? You have to hope beyond hope, beyond hope, beyond all measure of reasonableness and rationality that Donald Trump quite literally craps the bed, literally pulls a Gerald Nadler at a press conference. You have to hope that Donald Trump pulls a Dick Morris and some guy in his underwear comes walking through the shot. That happened on Newsmax, and I'm sorry. It's still still unbelievable to me. It it happened. It happened. We must have the video up at TonyCats.com. I'll double check. Sarah, put the video up at TonyCats.com of Dick Morris. I don't. it's, It's the weirdest thing in the world. I I have in my home where I have the studio, I have the red light. Like literally lights up upstairs so the family knows I'm on the air. He doesn't lock a door. Anyway. The 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 things that have to work out for Haley or DeSantis are 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 massive. They're massive. But I don't actually believe that getting out of the race is necessarily the thing they have to do. One of the arguments that they're making, Ron DeSantis trying to make this argument in a town hall on CNN, is that half the GOP made a different decision. Well, look, I think that um, he was the former president of the United States. He's one of the most famous people that's ever been involved in American politics. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of Republicans that appreciated his policies. You know, But you still had roughly half of the Iowa caucus goers that made another choice. And so that shows me, that tells me that, that there is an appetite uh, for, for a different leader. And I think what I represent is somebody that has delivered uh, on those key conservative policies that we've all been wanting to see in Washington, D.C. You know, in Florida, think about uh, what we've done with our... T- with all due respect, I, I like the Florida resume, and, and I've, I've been clear, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a DeSantis guy. I, I, I would rather have DeSantis. I think I get what I want and less baggage. It's easier to get over the hump in, in November. But that's not the way you sell it, sir. That's, that's not the way you sell it. That's not the way you sell it. You sold it as if you were some engaged college professor giving a thesis about how someone, you know, what it is that the, the Iowa caucuses meant to you. No, 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 no. It's not, well, it's not maybe, and I think, no. You have to now engage a level of authority. You are in the great game now. This is Game of Thrones. Are you coming with dragons or are you going to end up a White Walker? And let's assume that Arya didn't have that little hand skill thing. You don't engage in any level of uncertainty. 
you start with what we learned from Iowa is that half the Republican Party isn't interested in Donald Trump. And we have to make sure that they know they have an alternative that will get them what they want. Policy prescriptions that make their lives better. And America, that remains fantastic and stays away from this progressive nonsense. I am that guy, clearly. That's the delivery that he should have given. And it kills me that he missed it because he should not have missed it by any stretch. When Haley said that she's, uh, you know, there are two people in this race, of course she has the argument because she polls very well in New Hampshire and South Carolina is her state. She does not have to get out till Super Tuesday. As a matter of fact, she has got a ramp that gets her to Super Tuesday. Ron DeSantis does not have that. Ron DeSantis has to play second in New Hampshire when he has been in, like, he was behind Ramaswamy, he was behind Chris Christie, I think he may have been behind Asa Hutchinson, I don't know if they're still voting for Bob Dole there, he was super behind, behind on every level, where in the world does he think that this is going to come from? Meanwhile, Trump is picking up the endorsements left and right, members of Congress, senators, uh, you, 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 you've got uh, uh, governors doing it, and then Vivek Ramaswamy heads out to New Hampshire to show the love. You know this man, you know why we're here, patriots across the state. We are in the middle of a war in this country, that's what this is. It's not a war between black and white. It's not between Democrat and Republican, even in a deeper sense. It's between the permanent state and the everyday citizen. Between those of us who love the United States of America and a fringe minority who hates this country and what we stand for. And right now we need a commander-in-chief who will lead us to victory in this war. That's what we need in this country. You got to know you're in a war to win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand like most Republicans. And I think that's going to require somebody who isn't bought and paid for, a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? And that's why I was in this race. But I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night. And I'm a big believer that we, the people, create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That we the people choose who leads this country. And so we heard we the people last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump for President of the United States and do everything in my power to lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. Yeah got to admit man he's good at it he is vivek is good at it and he's going to be very very good uh, on on the trail and he's going to enjoy beating the living snot out of nikki haley the people who think that um haley and DeSantis should remain they're not crazy what they are is outrageously hopeful delusionally hopeful. I could, at this moment, break down some specific paths, some ideas that could show that, yes, there's an opportunity here and an opportunity there. There are very few opportunities 
everything would have to go right for a Haley or a DeSantis and everything would have to go wrong for a, a President Trump. But let's say they're not thinking of, hey, we're going we're gonna to have this done before Super Tuesday. It's just going to be a war of attrition and people will realize that they have options. Let's say that either one of them believes that. That if we just stay in this till the convention and the indictments start turning into convictions, then, oh, we're going to get them at the convention and that'll be the ball game. Um. To the extent that there are crazier ideas, uh, there are. There are crazier ideas. That concept is actually the most not mind-numbing, not 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 insane. You you could see that the that there is a if I stick around and if I stick around and if I stick around, maybe I can win some level of a, of attrition game with that near fifty percent that didn't want him in Iowa which doesn't necessarily mean it's representative of where the full party is. Because if you take that 49%, it's not all I'm not voting for Trump. Some are not voting for Trump. The others are going to be like, okay, Trump's going to be the nominee. And they're going to check it off. They're going to vote for Trump, and that's it. So that, for that, that 51% that he got becomes a 72%. No one is taking that into, in, 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 into account. But let's let's say that this is the philosophy. We're not debating whether or not it's crazed. We're, we're, this is the philosophy. It's the least crazy of the philosophies. Um, how are you going to afford it? What's how are you going to afford this? What's your plan to maintain this? You mean you're just going to stay on the ballot and you're not going to campaign? You're not going to travel to these states? You're not going to have advance? You're not going to have a town hall? You're not going to feed people some donuts and tell them why uh, over breakfast you're the guy? That's not going to happen? How are you going to pay for your staff? How How does this work? Give me the plan for the staying power. I'll say it again. I would rather DeSantis over Trump. I think he's easier. It's easier for us to win a general election with him. Tell me how it works. Show me the methodology for the love of the Lord. Show me the methodology. It's not there. There's no money that shows that it gets there. Find me the person. Find me the, 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 the donor who's like, what? Blow $50 million? Hell yeah! Where's my checkbook? Well, I got a, got a pen right, right here. I don't know where that is. So yes, 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 yes. They're staying in, are DeSantis and Haley. And maybe through South Carolina, all right, I can somewhat see it. It's, it's too early to get out now. But do they think they're sticking around in the, for, for the long, long run? Because that's, that's just crazy town. Crazy town. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So we have got retail sales that are up. 
Retail sales up 0.6%. Newsmax Money with the story. On strong holiday sales season. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good uh, to be with you. Find it all. TonyKatz.com. Um, it's very strange. Because the consumer price index tells us that inflation's at 3.9%. That the trend down that we may have seen and we wanted to see, because who really wants inflation? If you want inflation for political reasons, because it'll help you beat Joe Biden, I think that's super weird. Uh, in, in Inflation sucks, and it's a tax, and it's abusive, and you want it gone. And the Federal Reserve has been doing everything possible by raising interest rates to try and get this to happen. But spending still occurs in all these places. And it's been better because you've had a totally, not only intransigent Congress, but a dysfunctional Congress. They haven't passed much legislation. You don't have much spending of money. But yet we see with the worldwide recession going on, you have recession in China, you have clearly a recession in China. And I'll get some numbers about China that you simply cannot trust. You have recession in Europe. Um, these things do have an effect. Of course they do. So inflation up in the United States, I, I, I almost I, I understand. This is crazy that retail sales were up 0.6. Now, yes, holiday season. I get that. But when we were discussing it here, we saw this as, as going down. We saw, took a look at, um, where the spending was, it was like, where where are people spending? They're not going to buy for the holidays. Where Where is this money coming from? There's a whole feeling of just dread out there. They spent like nuts. Stores selling general merchandise. They were up 1.3. Clothing and accessories up 1.5. Online, 1.5. Furniture and home furnishings had a 1% decline. That one makes sense. Because a lot of people did their furniture and home stuff during COVID. That's where they spent their money and when they spent their money. And they had no reason to go out there and change it again. It just, it just didn't make uh, a sense for them to do so. But I think you, you see this 0.6 and you still realize that the inflation is 3.9%. Sometimes these numbers don't jive. They don't make any sense at all. It is super frustrating. Joe Biden's team will never talk about this number. They'll only talk about, look how many jobs we've created. And you know they've never created a job. You understand that that is a lie from beginning to end. We're not talking about, well, it's how you want to look at the numbers. People going back to work in a post-COVID world is not the creation of jobs. And anybody who says otherwise is a liar and a fraud. And that could very well include Paul Krugman, who has told you this economy is great. Joe Biden's the best. Tell me now, this economy great? I have got business owners who are very, very worried about the doom that's coming. They don't, they don't like what they see for 2024. Now, that's anecdotal. But there are conversations that we've discussed before about doom spending and it's all going to go to hell anyway. I might as well have a new pair of shoes. Everything's going to fall apart anyway. I might as well have a new TV. The, the, the world is heading for a complete and total disaster. Who cares about my credit card debt? And buying things makes me feel good. 
And I need something to make me feel good because everything is so terrible. Doom spending. When I first read that, this was back in October. It, it, it's it's it struck me. It really did. It absolutely struck me. I was like, that's a crazy thought. And I don't think there's a day that's gone by, including when I've been on vacation, that I haven't thought about it since. Because I think that's onto something. Onto something pretty horrible. Doom spending. This is Tony Katz today. You know that that meme that exists, you know, how how it started, how it how it's going. So it it uh started with Joe Biden uh saying that the Houthi rebels should not be on any level of list of, of terrorists or 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 uh on a list of terrorist organizations. And it ends with uh Joe Biden putting the Houthi rebels back on a list of terrorist organizations. Joe Biden is always wrong. Always, always, always. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Uh, if you're listening on radio, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. If you're watching the live stream, my gosh, leave your comments. I'm happy. I'm happy to get to it. Um, The placement... As a specially designated global terrorist group, as reported by the Wall Street Journal, reverses a decision that Biden made to remove the Houthis over concerns that hurt prospects for peace talks and further crippled the economy of an impoverished nation. Yemen, of course, is just torn asunder. Yemen is torn asunder because of a proxy war that's happening. There are a civil war, if you will, a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. This has been going on for a while. But that's not the, the, the story. The story is this push continual from the Biden administration to say we're going to achieve peace. The Houthi rebels are backed by Iran. So once again, it is an appeasement of Iran by the Obama administration. I'm sorry, I mean the Biden administration. No, wait, I got it right the first time. The same people, the same failed pseudo-academics, the, the same, the very same Iran Ayatollah lovers are right there trying to make the same deals that not only didn't work the first time around, but allowed Iran to get closer and closer to a nuclear weapon. The Iran nuclear deal never, ever, ever stopped nor slowed Iran. These are the facts. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they manipulate. Of course they were working to enrich uranium outside of the confines of this deal called the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Of course they were. And if it wasn't for Israel bombing some sites every now and again and sending a little Stuxnet virus out there, who knows where the Iranians would be at this moment? The Biden administration was as wrong as wrong can be. Why were they looking to have peace talks? What is it about this administration and the belief that they can bring about peace? 
This is not a question of whether or not we want peace. I'm going to answer the question for all of us. The answer is yes. The vast majority of us are not warmongers by any stretch of the imagination. You know what we want to do? We want to have a steak. We want to sip some bourbon. We want to smoke a cigar. We want to get a little sex, and then we want to nap. This is what we want. And sometimes, not even in that order. I am not here to judge it by any stretch of the imagination. In the main, what we want is to be able to live our lives the way we see fit. This is what we want. This is what we desire. This is what we're looking for. We're not looking to try and get other people to live our lives, live the lives, their lives the way we see fit for them. That's very much a progressive thing. You want to talk about being an authoritarian. Can I, can I just go uh, a quick uh, side thing? This was Rachel Maddow on the night of, of the uh, Iowa caucus talking about the authoritarian Republicans your takeaway from that and i don't mean to be again too dark as you said on this but it is not if we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country if we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government the leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation Mm-hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm-hmm. bigger part mm-hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra-right for a very long time. They've brought them in in a way that they haven't been central to Republican electoral politics ever before. And I know because I've been studying this. But once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leaders interchangeable. And yes, Trump is is sometimes what we call it. Mm-hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm-hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm-hmm. They are pushing Trump yeah. to get more and more right. extreme. Because You're the people who told us you can't have gas stoves. Then you can't have gas furnaces. You're the people who told us we have to have electric cars. And the state of California said you can't sell any new car except electric cars by, what is it, 2035? You're the people who told us that we had to wear a mask. And if we don't wear a mask, well, then we're killing grandma. And if we question the science of wearing masks, then we are destroying democracy. And you dare claim that it's the Republicans who are pushing an authoritarian streak? Do you, do you ever hear yourself? And the answer is yes, of course they hear themselves. But so much of, of, of what happens is the, uh, this is what we believe, but we can't show people we believe, so we'll push it on the other person. That projection that takes place. The, the idea that it is Republicans pushing the idea of authoritarianism is nonsense, The vast majority of conservatives I know, yes, Tony, you're talking anecdotally, I agree. They want to be left alone. They want the cigar, the steak, the bourbon, and the sex. That's what they want. They want to be left alone. They want to be left to their own devices. They don't think about you at all, Rachel Maddow. They don't think about your bigot racist friend, Joy Reid, either. Uh, The vast majority of Americans... Don't give two craps 
but it certainly doesn't help when you push an idea constantly, continually, without any data, without any facts, that look at these authoritarians when clearly one can see. if It's not enough to be okay with a same-sex marriage. You have to celebrate it. Well, I don't want to celebrate it. Well, then you have to be thrown in jail. Remember, you have to decorate the cake. I don't want to decorate the cake, but I'll sell you the cake. If you don't decorate the cake, you go to jail. There was a story out the other day. The, the, the owners of a venue were approached by a same-sex couple, uh, two women, uh, to have, uh, oh, I think it was their wedding uh, there. That's what they called it, having the wedding there. And they wrote them a letter. The owners wrote a letter said, look, we're open to everyone. We'll gladly do it. But just so you know, we won't be celebrating with you. This is not what we believe, and we want you to know that about the place we are. We are open to you. We will take care of you. We're just not celebrating this. And the couple went crazy. How dare they ruin our perfect event? The owners of the establishment were honest, upfront, and clear with you, and still opened their place to you and said, go ahead. It wasn't enough. Now you have to celebrate with us, and you have to be the biggest cheerleader. Who's the authoritarian here? You have to design the cake or decorate the cake or else. You have to design the website or else. You have to let a boy claim they're a girl and use the bathroom or else. Who's the authoritarian here? I I often uh, quote Evan Sayet in, in, in this moment. When talking about the the political left and how they are 180 degrees diametrically opposed to the truth. Uh, They are not just wrong, as Evan Sayet explains. They are as wrong as wrong can be. That is absolutely true. Joe Biden was as wrong as wrong can be when it comes to to the Houthi rebels. As wrong as wrong can be. The deal, right, and there's there's a lot going on. This d- decision, this reversal, should be a great warning sign to all of us at how bad Joe Biden's instincts really are. You know the, the 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 line that 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 Joe Biden has has never uh, gotten uh, has has gotten every foreign policy decision wrong in in the last thirty years, every single one. But this is clearly a page out of Barack Obama's playbook, and this desire to somehow think you can bring Iran in. It is to this that I think that whoever the nominee is, whether it be Donald Trump or somehow one of the others. I I think I said it clearly right there. Um, This is a really important thing to note. The hubris of the political left that they believe that somehow through some magical, mystical kindness, they can get everybody to come to heal. Do you actually believe that you could create a peace with Hamas? To believe that, uh, you would have to, uh, at at first, do a tremendous amount of drugs. But we'll talk about Hunter Biden later. 
then you would have to suspend all reality and all belief. You would have to live in a fantasy where somehow your hashtag and your deep feelings create results. We live in reality, and in reality, Hamas wants every Jew dead and every American dead. And in reality, the Houthi rebels want the same things. You can't achieve peace with them. It's not that I don't want to, because if I do, I'm not bothered, and I can get back to the steak and the bourbon and the cigar and the sex and the nap. And not necessarily in that order. Warmongering is not on my list. And I would argue for the vast majority of Americans who are rational folk, it's not on their list. There are more people who have things on the list I just mentioned than have warmongering on a list. But the rational people understand that sometimes to get to your list, you got to take care of the work. And the work involves absolutely destroying the Houthis and absolutely destroying Hamas. And ignoring the Houthi rebels and thinking that you could deal with them, reason with them, was an irrational position from the start. Anybody with a mind would have told you this. Anybody within a military complex with a mind would have told you this. The Biden people didn't know. How many more times can Joe Biden be wrong and it won't cost us? We know he's wrong on the southern border. Don't forget that when they did the, they called it entrance polling uh, for, for the caucuses. When they did the entrance polling, it wasn't the economy that was the top subject for the Iowa caucuses. That was the second one at 35%. 40% of people, their top subject, immigration. Now, the left will go for the spin of, you see, they have a problem with brown people. The left is dopey. We have a problem with lawlessness. And you know who else has a problem with lawlessness? Brown people and black people. Because they all don't think alike. But according to Joy Reid, the bigot of MSNBC, never mind the whole cast over there and at CNN, they are so despicable and so think so low of people who are black or brown or Asian or Hispanic, they think they do all think in a monolithic block. All these people are Pauline Kale. They think everybody around them is the totality of people. If you don't know the Pauline Kael story, and, and there's a lot of, uh, of evidence these days that maybe it didn't happen this way. But the story is there, so I keep it. Uh, a socialite in New York in the 70s. Uh, and um, she, when Richard Nixon was reelected, uh, she said, Nixon? How, did I, how in the world did Richard Nixon win? I don't know anybody who voted for Nixon. You, 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 you think Manhattan and, and people who fancied themselves uh, uh, those who would attend the Algonquin Roundtable were the kind of people voting for Nixon? It's this belief that their little world is somehow the world. I believe the world is here. And they own a very small part of it. Very tiny little part. Joe Biden is always wrong. And when Joe Biden is wrong, you have the chance to get hurt. 
The Houthi rebels are now hitting at Greek ships. They will hit everywhere. The shipping lanes have changed. They start costing more. A container that usually costs $2,400 now costs $10,000 to rent. You will pay more at your local store. Never mind the people who will be kidnapped. Never mind the people who will be killed. Never mind how these groups, like Hamas, have already been working to get people across the southern border of the United States. How wrong can Joe Biden be on that policy? And we're the ones who are going to get hurt. And in the list of things we want to do, getting hurt isn't one of those things. Although I don't necessarily know how you have sex, but I'm not here to judge. My safe word is avocado. Joe Biden is always, always wrong. And we got to make sure that we're right in November. I'm Tony Katz. Hunter Biden and his cocaine. Look, I I can't make up the story. So I don't know why you're, you're, you're upset with me. Hunter Biden, where um, prosecutors are claiming that the the gun pouch, right, where he kept his, his, his gun, there's a brown leather pouch, and in that pouch, there was cocaine. Um... Yeah. Well, who questions this? Who would even think of of, of doubting such a thing? It's Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden has been doing drugs for a good long time. Why would anybody think somehow things are different? And And his team is like, we should dismiss the charges. And the prosecutors are like, we have got so much evidence. We want to move forward. Hunter Biden is a drug addict, but Hunter Biden has committed the crime. At this point, it's obvious. This is Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They've reached a deal for aid in Gaza. The deal allows for medicine to get to Israeli and other hostages held by Hamas. It allows for food for the people of Gaza. I must tell you how little faith I have in this deal. Not a pessimist. Just what in the world would get anybody to think that Hamas can be trusted? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And uh, feel free, feel free to make uh, the call 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And of course, if you're watching uh, the live streams, uh, whether it's Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, gosh, I hate some Facebook locals, wherever it is, leave a comment. Happy to get to it. This deal came from... The French and the Qataris, so France and Qatar. And they're the ones who have been working on this. Supposedly there was some U.S. uh, 
attendance, if you will, you know there's still Americans being held. Americans being held by Hamas, and um, we, uh, we, 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 we're doing this. Uh, the, the, there are, you know, it's weird how they phrase it. More than 132 hostages are thought to be still held in Gaza. That's the BBC. Well, you don't know who's alive. You, I don't know if you saw these videos that came out last week that, uh, that were videos of hostages. And you realize that, that Hamas is basically taunting Israel. We have your people. We've kept them alive. We'll kill them at any second. And we have Americans being held, and there is no strong action. All there is is the radicalness of the political left into these demands for ceasefire. Ceasefire is not the answer. Ceasefire has never been the answer, and ceasefire will not be the answer. If In some way, if in some way the Israelis wanted to have some kind of cease in order to get some hostages, while I have a tremendous issue with it, I don't get to tell the Israelis what to do. And for the sake of clarity, I'm American, not Israeli, even though... I'm Jewish, and I don't get to have a a say in Israeli policy. I just think it's a bad policy, just like I think that their COVID policy was just absolutely miserable and dreadful. See, that? that's how you can discuss Israeli policy without being a Jew-hating bigot. That's how it works. I, I was saying that mostly for for uh, um, Ilhan Omar's uh, you know, benefit. Well, not that it's going to change anything she believes. But I have no belief whatsoever that this uh, is going to work. Netanyahu putting out a statement, the prime minister, expressing, well, quote, excuse me, his appreciation to all those who have assisted in the endeavor. You do what you can. You do what is possible. You hope beyond hope. And then you keep killing the enemy. This part is the part that today's college campus Marxist simply cannot abide. In their world, in their view, in their philosophy, in their theory, there is only uh, one thing to note. Israel is the oppressor, and the people of Gaza are oppressed. So when you engage in this way, they will, of course, push for ceasefire. Israel should just stop doing what it's doing. But they will never once have a conversation about where, how, how we got here, which is Hamas's attack on Israelis and others, the murder of 1,200, setting babies on fire, and raping women, and videotaping every bit of it. They wanted the world to see. They didn't try and hide the atrocity, as many people have noted. They wanted you to note the atrocity. They wanted you to see who they are and what it is they do. So now, with with an understanding of, of exactly how twisted this all is, how twisted the political left is, in not uh, addressing root causes, in not addressing what it is Hamas did, as uh, Gad Saad calls it, uh, he calls it AOC. I was like, wait, I think that, that was taken. Amnesia of causality. 
the idea that we'd forget what caused the thing. Only we do, we, thing we do now is talk about how, how terrible the response is. I haven't forgotten anything. And I certainly haven't forgotten that Hamas can't be trusted. I do not trust that any aid sent to Gaza will actually make it to people who I'm told are starving. I am told that it is a humanitarian catastrophe. That's what uh, Bernie Sanders told me. Bernie Sanders told me that it was a humanitarian catastrophe. He said, not only is it terrible, not only is it awful, not only is it the worst thing you ever saw, that it was worse than Dresden. What, you think I can make this up? Jake, we've got to... You think I could possibly make up what what this is? I can't. I don't have the skill set. To make up a guy saying this is worse uh, than than anything World War II had to offer. This was Bernie Sanders. I accidentally hit play just a second ago, and I apologize for that. This was Bernie Sanders talking to Jake Tapper, I believe it is, on CNN discussing it. Jake, we've got to, as Americans, take a very deep breath. What is going on in Gaza right now is a horrendous humanitarian catastrophe. We're looking at 23,000 people who have been killed. Almost 60,000 have been wounded. And two-thirds of the people who have been killed are women and children. You're looking at 70% of the housing units in Gaza that have been destroyed. Jake, if I use the word Dresden, Germany, to you, you think about the horrific destruction during World War II of that city. What is going on in Gaza now in three months is worse than what took place in Dresden over a two-year period. This is a catastrophe. And now, according to the United Nations, after you have 1.9 million people displaced from their homes, they don't have food, they don't have water, they don't have medical equipment, they don't have fuel, what you are looking at is imminent starvation. Children are starving to death. So my view has been from the beginning, Israel has a right to respond to this horrific terrorist attack from Hamas. But you do not have a right to go to war against an entire people, women and children. And Well, that's not what happened, and Bernie Sanders is a liar and a fraud on that. But the question is, now that this aid is going through, when the aid doesn't make it to the starving women and children, will Bernie Sanders say, hey, Hamas, cut it out? Nah. Will the Marxists say, hey, Hamas, feed the... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. People. No. No, they, 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 they won't. No, 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 they won't. And I think they should be held to account 
for exactly this. And when they say, how do we get Hamas to stop if they would ever say that? Well, I would say, well, maybe Joe Biden uh, should have been a stronger leader from the beginning. And therefore, none of this would have happened. Now, you say to me, but Tony, Hamas has always hated Israel. Well, yes, that, 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 that's true. That's why Hamas exists. Hamas exists to destroy Israel and to kill all the Jews. So, by the way, does half of the staff at MSNBC and anybody who chants from the river to the sea. This is why they exist. This is who they are. This is what they do. And so I'm always amazed when I hear from the Biden team that somehow Joe Biden has kept us safe. I will campaign for President Biden. I will certainly, because the stakes could not be higher for our country, for the world. The stakes are as high as they get and as high as I've seen in the course of my public service. So I am going to campaign very happily because I think he's done a terrific job. He's shown experience. He's kept us from, you know, having a, a, you know, a complete breakout of uncontrolled war in many regions. But at the same time, he stood up for American values, global values, universal values for America's obligations with respect to Ukraine, the Middle East, and elsewhere. Joe Biden has kept us out of wars. In the four years of Donald Trump, there was no war. In the years of Joe Biden, you allowed uh, American service uh, members to die in Afghanistan because you didn't understand withdrawal. You left people to die. You had Russia invade Ukraine because you weren't strong enough. And you absolutely invited the opportunity for Iran to engage via Hamas and also Russia via Hamas and via the Houthi rebels. And sure as God made little green apples, as my dad would say, you will see before the election, as people, I'm not the first person to discuss this. I'm not saying I'm even giving an original thought here. But if Trump's the nominee, don't be surprised if China makes their move on Taiwan while they can. We are having a conversation about not being able to trust aid getting to the people who need it. Because Joe Biden is a large part of why we're in this position to begin with. Now, as I have stated before, I don't go back on my words. Mossad, uh, Israel, dropped the ball in understanding exactly how much Hamas was preparing. They didn't have a really understanding of the tunnel system. 350 miles worth of tunnels in Gaza. If you want to know where the food went, it went to feed all the people who were digging the tunnels. Let the children be damned. There are things where Israel dropped the ball and they should be held to account. And there are places where the United States dropped the ball and they should be held to account. Our intelligence agencies should be held to account. But nothing compares to the failures of Joe Biden. Nothing compares. So when you take a look at this aid package, you take a look at this aid package, which, again, I, 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 I hope uh, the hostages get their medicine. What else could I want for them? And to be home. That if Joe Biden was actually engaged in the United States being a deterrent, as opposed to being weak, maybe we wouldn't be here. We talked earlier about the Houthi rebels. He took them off the terrorist list and then put them back on the terrorist list. 
The Houthi rebels are supported by Iran. So he took Iran off of a terrorist list? Who does this? Somebody who believes they're too smart for the room and doesn't actually understand the enemy and the threat. I hope this aid package works. I hope uh, these people get fed, and I hope these uh, hostages get their medicine. But I have no faith that it will. And this will continue to go on. And the pressure will come from Biden's team and these these progressives to, to, to stop the fighting. And the Bernie Sanders commies of the world, we have to have a ceasefire. No. We have to have a cease Hamas. As in Hamas has to cease existing. Then we'll have peace. I don't, I, I don't even know how it could be seen as any other way. That's how the grown-up sees it. And for the Marxist who sees it as, well, why doesn't Israel stop existing? I say to you, as I've said many times, okay. Okay. Let them fight it out. Israel's terrible and Gaza is terrible. Sure, kitten. Whatever you say, let them fight it out. Let's see who wins. Oh, that's not fair because Israel has more tanks and more weaponry, more than... Well, maybe Gaza should have been focused on, I don't know, creating a society and engaging trade instead of living in a barbaric hellscape and an open-air prison that they created and to which Hamas is the warden. Let them fight it out. If, 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 if no side is right, let them fight it out. No rules. To the death. Let's see who wins. I'm Tony Katz. So you have the new president of Argentina speaking at the World Economic Forum. And this is through the translator. And he, he's uh, he's pretty clear. Um you commies stink. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. Oh, I played it from the wrong spot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, for a second there, maybe you couldn't hear it. Here it is. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long live freedom. Damn it. Okay. Long live freedom. Damn it. Ah, oh, people were upset when he won, and and oh, he's the Trump of Argentina, and oh, he's going to ruin everything. Um, too much government is a bad thing, and uh, the 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 last thing the World Economic Forum folk want to hear is that they're the problem, because they are, of course, believers that they can engineer our better tomorrow. To that end, there is this woman from India speaking at the World Economic Forum, uh, hospital group vice chair, and I I clipped just some of it. I wanted you to hear her take um, uh, on, on, on lockdowns. Listen, we're talking about COVID lockdowns, of course. 
But more than anything else, uh, I am a very proud Indian. And I think that the leadership, uh, the quick decisions, and the incisive decisions to do what we have to do at the right time, sometimes they're hard decisions, you face that. But I think to take the right decision, the hard decision, but to take a decision has been very important. And I think a population of 1.3 billion people, if we have been able to come out of this uh, relatively you know, better than which could have been anticipated and the fact that there was early intervention of vaccination uh, there was a lockdown it was hard but it was a decision making which I think helped us so I think that's important going forward so is this uh, a health official uh, making the claim that lockdowns were good for us lockdowns were beneficial yeah it was hard but we needed to have that happen you needed that you're welcome Understand that that our issue, the issue for the freedom uh, folk, the free and thinking people, the free folk, as as they would say on the Game of Thrones, um, is is that these other people are really convinced they know how we should live. Again, we go back to the radicalness of Rachel Maddow's authoritarian commentary, which you realize is just a whole big bunch of projection. Who's the authoritarian? The people cheering lockdowns or the people opposed to lockdowns? Who actually is the one here that wants to control your life? The people who believe that all cars should be electric? Or the people who believe that you should be allowed mobility as you see fit? Who is the authoritarian? The people who believe in a centralized digital currency controlled by governments? Or the people who believe in Bitcoin, a completely decentralized type of currency. It is remarkable to witness. So this this uh, talk from Malay, uh, President Malay of Argentina. Uh, oh, there's there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of pushback to that. Tremendous amount of pushback to that. Oh, he's he's so silly. Oh, he's so dangerous. That'll ramp up. I don't know. I don't know what's so dangerous about, you know, being opposed to the march grow, march of the growing state. Was it was it dangerous when when uh, Dwight Eisenhower warned us in his farewell address about the military industrial complex? I thought it was a probably a good warning, something he saw as an issue because it was an issue. Meanwhile, there is some scotch for sale. And let's discuss this Democratic switch thing. And did it actually help Nikki Haley place third? Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. for some Irish whiskey. I totally get it, people. I totally, totally get it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's a bottle of Emerald Isle. Ah, the old Emerald Isle. Uh, It sold for $2.8 million. Uh, A uh, whiskey collector in the, the U.S., uh, purchased it, 
beat out the previous record by a hundred grand. But it's not. It's it's not just the Irish whiskey. Uh, now, by the way, Irish whiskey. There are are, are not many rules uh, in in the creation of, of Irish whiskey. Just like there aren't many rules in the creation of uh, of Scotch. Scotch has to come from Scotland. Irish whiskey comes from Ireland. But in in th- both cases, the vast majority of them actually use bourbon barrels to 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 do what they do. Bourbon has to be has to be a first use charred oak barrel. So after it's made its barrel of bourbon, you can't make another barrel. You can use staves, and which are pieces of wood. You can do other things with it. You can do a bunch of other things with it. Um, but but what you cannot do uh, is use it again to create another barrel of bourbon. We, we've got serious rules. This uh, Irish whiskey right here, this Irish whiskey... Uh, also uh, came with a uh, Fabergé egg. Who doesn't love a good Fabergé egg? I ask you. I ask you right there. Who doesn't love it? It came with um, two Cohiba cigars. So one would assume uh, they are the, uh, the, the legit uh, Cuban kind as opposed to the red dot or the black dot, um, it's completely not the same kind. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not the same. I don't know. And, and the whole Cohiba thing, I, I, I get it. I get why people are, are into it. I get why people want them. It ain't what it used to be, children. Don't Don't buy into it. For a second, it is absolutely not what it used to be. The the uh, the the whole Cuban conversation. You don't need a Cuban cigar uh, to have a good cigar anymore. Um, now, I, I would I spend two? Oh, by the way, this also came with a watch. Um, it came um, with a decanter. Like, that was what you got for $2.8 million. Would I pay $2.8 million for a bottle of whiskey? Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I would. If I had the 2.8 million, I would 100% do it. The problem is I, I, I would also drink it. I am not a collector. If you were to take a look at my bourbon collection, it's because people give me bottles to test and to try and to do. So I've got a lot of stuff. Uh, so I have a bottle of 20, is it 2022 was it 2023, uh, the old Forrester birthday bourbon. It's probably about a $2,000 bottle. That's getting opened in April. Oh, yeah, we're doing a live event. <gasps> I said too much. Oh, wait for it. Uh, I'll have news about that uh, coming out uh, in, in uh, next month. It's going to be pretty fantastic. Uh, I've got some Elmer T. Lee. I, I've got some, some incredible Willet bottles. You're supposed to drink it. You're supposed to drink it. There, there is no point in just looking at it. It's like a car. You're, you're going to get a car just to stare at it? The whole thing doesn't make any sense. It's crazy town. 
Go out there and drive and enjoy the thing. So $2.8 million. Yes. Yes, I would spend it. No, I don't have it. And if it meant that I couldn't have a private plane, I absolutely wouldn't spend it. Because private plane comes first. I'm not spending $3 million on Irish whiskey until, until I have a private plane. And, and for the record, I would spend $3 million on bourbon or rye. Not on Irish whiskey. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's, I, I have met very few Irish whiskeys that are good. Three. Three. Um, the, I think it's a 15-year from Redbreast. Uh, the Middleton. I can't remember the third right now. Yeah, it's just not my, just not my drink. Uh, I, 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 a, a Nikki Haley story, because this happened to me yesterday, and this uh, I wanted to get into whether or not uh, we think that Democrats were changing registrations to um, to support Nikki Haley, because Ron DeSantis is 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 a big believer in this, and you you've got all these people who switched registrations in Iowa. In order to 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 support Nikki Haley, and you won't be able to do that uh, in in New Hampshire. Well, well, true enough. The story goes that I, I'm I'm sitting yesterday having a cigar, which is not a rare thing, and I get a text from from a friend, and and the text is, uh, "Love this." I'm like, "Okay, what is it?" Well, attached was a flyer, and I open it up, and it is a fundraiser. In my beloved Indianapolis for Nikki Haley. Okay, fine. And then she's going to zoom in. She's going to zoom in. You're going to be able to talk to her. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's the way it goes. She'll be on the road wherever it is. It's in February sometime. Cool. Well, I'm glad that the person who sends it to me loves it. And then I take a look at the host committee. So very often when there are these kinds of fundraisers for a candidate, there's a host committee. Right, the people who are putting it together. So they're saying, "Hey, we invited you, all our friends, so you can write big checks." That's that. That's what it is. And I go through. I know some people on the host committee and some names I don't know. And then right there, at the bottom of the first row, for the host committee, Tony Katz. And I said, "What?" Because I know me. I'm not on a host committee. No one ever called me about a host committee. I have never been asked to be on a host committee. I for for a Nikki Haley fundraiser. Uh, what is my name doing on this flyer? I text someone I know who knows about the event, and I'm like, "Well, first thing I did is 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 I I actually called my home station." In Indianapolis, WIBC. In Indiana, we're heard on WIBC. We're heard on WMUN in Muncie. We're heard on WGCL in in, in Bloomington. And then we're heard weekends across uh, the country. And then, of course, everything we do in in, in the streaming. Uh, I I call my my program director, David Wood. And I'm like, hey, so this isn't a social call. This is a me calling my boss conversation. To which he's like, oh, my gosh, Tony Katz is going to quit. And I'm like, Tony Katz is not going to quit. I just signed a new contract, but we should already talk about a raise. And I explain it because I, I think that when you're in my position, you're, you're a radio host, that if you're engaged in primary stuff on a financial level, I, I, 
I think that's pretty weird. Only once have I gotten involved in an election where I was supportive of a candidate in the primary in the primary world. It's somebody I used to work with, uh, and and a, a friend, someone who's been in my home. I felt comfortable, but in the main, I don't. I don't do that. I'm like I didn't do this. Someone's going to ask me about this flyer, and it's going to become a thing. So then I text somebody who is associated with this. I'm like, uh, I, no one, no one called me. No one, no one talked to me about it. No one, no one said word one to me. I, I can't be on this flyer. I can't be on this flyer. You gotta, you gotta do me a favor. You gotta talk to somebody. Get me off the flyer. The text comes back like six minutes later. It's a different Tony Katz. Stop. There's another Tony Katz in the Indianapolis area. There are a few Tony Katzes out there. I, I know that to be true. And they're like, well, Katz is a pretty common name. Yes, Katz is a pretty common name. For Jews, it'd be like Smith. But Tony Katz is freaking rare as all get out. There are, there are nine of us. There aren't that many. There's another one. And I've been here almost a decade. No one thought to bring that up to me. No one thought to mention, hey, I know a Tony Katz. So I, I got to assume they're not playing me. <laughs> and, there's, and there's another Tony Katz. I feel so sorry for that dude. Like there's, there's a Tony Katz who is, is he an environmental lawyer? I, th- I think he is. And when I get Google alerts for my name every now and then, he'll come up. Can you imagine how often I come up in, in his feed and all his stuff? Here he was building this fine career for himself, probably a gentleman and a half, and here I come, just ruining his whole day and his entire search history. Just a mess. But this Nikki Haley conversation gets us to this idea of whether or not Democrats voted in the Iowa caucuses by switching their party. Um, Yes, indeed, it is true that you can do this at the Iowa caucuses with relative ease. It's a super easy thing to do. The question is, did it make some level of difference in the Iowa caucuses? First things first, don't forget that Nikki Haley came in third. She came in third place. So now we're making the argument that that somehow, if people hadn't switched over, she'd be at what? She, she oh, 19.1% was third place. So Trump was 51, DeSantis was 21.2, Haley is, uh, is, is 19.1. So what, she would have been 14, 12? Is this, is this your argument? That's a heck of an argument uh, right, right there. And she did underperform the polls. Just for clarity, she underperformed the polls. Did people come in and change their status, and they were Democrats so they could vote for Nikki Haley, so they could create some kind of of uh, chaos, right? Oh, uh, we go back to the late, great Rush Limbaugh and Operation Chaos and those kinds of theories. I don't know. What I know is, from knowing Iowa and people in Iowa and getting answers to, to questions, this kind of thing happens all the time. There, There is nothing new under the sun. 
And absolutely, in past uh, caucuses, people have come in and changed their registration and, uh, and uh, you know, voted for a different party. Happens all the time. There is nothing right now that I have seen that shows me that there is credibility to this argument. What would show us is if in New Hampshire, she collapses. So taking a look at the polling right now, including the, the, the last uh, uh, poll that just took place, the Boston Globe Suffolk poll. Holy, hold on, let me get my glasses on here. Trump 50, Haley 34, DeSantis 5. Ron DeSantis is still trailing Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. He's at 5.8 in the Real Clear Politics average. Christie is at 11 in the Real Clear Politics average. Ramaswamy at 6. In the average, it's Trump 44, Haley 31. That's a, a, a 13 point spread. 13 point spread. We, we've said from the beginning uh, that Ron DeSantis has not made any move of any seriousness there in, in, in New Hampshire. So now, and by the way, one of the interesting things is with Christie out and, and Ramaswamy out, but with Christie out, she went from 28 in the previous poll to 34. This is her highest. She's been at 32. She's been at 31. 34 is her highest in any poll. Those Christie voters did not go to Ron DeSantis. That much is obvious. We won't know whether or not there's any truth to this uh, until we see New Hampshire. Does she underperform? She underperformed in Iowa based on the polling. And Trump was polling at 52.5 and got 51%. That's pretty dead on. So we will watch for this. Personally, I don't think there's anything to this this idea that that, oh my gosh, look at all the people who... Uh, went in for for Haley and changed parties. I don't think there's much to it at all. But we'll find out in New Hampshire. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia who's not running for re-election, the guy who has... The best name I had, had the best name ID in the world and ruined it because he's not lefty enough, thinks that Joe Biden has been pushed too far to the left. Are you really going to try to get on the president's schedule and try to move him to the center before you make a decision on your next step? Well, I, first of all, I think no matter who your president is, whether you're for him or against him, same party or not, you want your president to succeed. I think President Biden's been pushed too far to the left. I think he knows my feelings about that, and he should be coming back to the center or center left, which is where we make most of our decisions. It's where the economy is, and it's where the country is. There's not a successful person or family that makes any decisions from the extremes and thinks it's going to uh, exist or last. So we're trying to bring it back, and I, that's if I get it chance and they want to meet i'm happy to meet with if you're not willing uh, senator mansion to take on the squad you have no chance in this 
Joe Biden is just responding to the forces that are most dangerous within the party. And the extreme that is the squad is very much the mainstream when it comes to policy. It's the mainstream of who Democrats are. The Green New Deal, that's not pie in the sky. That's tame compared to where they're going to go next. Outward anti-Semitism, outward Marxism, outward hatred of their own nation and the pushing of, of fracturing people. Joe Biden doesn't have a response to this because Joe Biden has no core. The people you got to go after are the squad. And that's why I am very focused on this idea when it comes to squad members and others, especially in the anti-Semitism front. I can't replace them with Republicans. Can I try and... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Place them with other Democrats. And I'm very serious about this subject. I think we should be running other Democrats against them and make them fight for their seats and hopefully lose. I'm Tony Katz. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The Supreme Court decides not to hear a case about bathrooms, transgender students, and the state of Indiana. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. What's going down, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. That's where you do it. So this was just yesterday. Um, You have in Indiana, in Martinsville, the Metropolitan School District of Martinsville. They had an issue, and it's based on transgender boys' access to the boys' bathroom. So I assume that means girls who claim to be boys. I I, I sometimes still have trouble following it. And what the uh, Seventh Circuit said was that, yes, that's allowed. And so this got its way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided not to hear uh, the, the, the case. Now, people, this, this bothers people constantly. Why is it that the Supreme Court will sometimes decide not to hear a, a case? And the answer is the case itself might not actually solve the question. It might bring them more cases as opposed to a case where the, the, the presentation they could provide, the explanation they could provide, the ruling would satisfy a whole series of cases and engage a a proper level of precedent. They did this a tremendous number of times regarding the Second Amendment, and Second Amendment activists would be infuriated. Why is the Supreme Court not ruling? Why are they not protecting gun rights? What are they doing? In many ways, in many uh, respects, they were waiting for the right case. Waiting for the right case to take place so they could engage uh, a, 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 a proper ruling. A ruling that would have the most amount of effect and answer the most amount of questions. That, that is very, very true uh, of, of the court. 
the school district in Martinsville wanted SCOTUS to conclude that it is not required to allow transgender students to use the bathrooms of their choosing. And I am a believer, of course, that if you are a boy and you claim to be a girl, you can make that claim, except it's not true and you don't get to use a girl's bathroom or locker room. And your feelings, and I, and I, for the record, I would say this to, to, to students. You give me a 14-year-old, I will honestly address the situation with them. Your feelings can be very real. That doesn't require an action upon my part. And if we are now going to be honest, not only with the 14-year-olds, but with the 14-year-olds' parents and with society writ large, we have to stop indulging mental illness. You're a boy who says you're a girl. You can say that, but it doesn't require anything from me. My life does not have to change one iota. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't. And certainly I will not play along with the, okay, I'll use these pronouns. I will not lie to you because I will not lie to myself. There is no power on God's green earth that can make me lie to myself. I simply will not do it. You can bring all the mouse struggle sessions you want. And dear Lord, it's very hard to survive a mouse struggle session. I will not do it. I will not be a part of it. I will not have it. To ask someone to lie to themselves and to lie to others is is a sin. It is a total lack of decency. You'll note that in my argument, I did not say that you cannot live your life the way you see fit. And certainly this is true of adults. But I will not indulge the mental illness that it is a part of. Gender dysphoria is a diagnosis. It is a diagnosis, and we should treat it as such. And in children, it is not our job to indulge a mental illness. It is our job to say that is an issue. Let's get this child the help they deserve. Let's love the kid enough to care about the kid, which includes sometimes saying no. So no, you don't get to use the bathroom of your choosing. You use this bathroom, or you can use that one over there, that one single stall, which Totally fine by me. Just don't think you have to be rude about it. I don't think you have to be mean about it, but you have to be clear about it. The problem is the people who push this are the ones that are rude and mean. Like, for example, the ACLU. The ACLU of Indiana filed an opposition brief uh, in, in, in this case. What is your argument? What is your argument that children have these rights and the other children have no rights? I can think of nothing more hateful than that. The idea that the child who makes the claim has rights and the child who doesn't make the claim doesn't have rights. That is a barbaric thought. And I will state as clear as day, I, uh, the idea that the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana is actually focused on civil liberties in Indiana is laughable. Not from what I've seen, from how they have acted. As a matter of fact, I'm amazed anybody writes them a check at all. I'm ama- I am stunned, shocked by it, floored by it, that anybody write that is, is, is a supporter at this stage of the game. Supporting what? Telling young girls to lay back and take it? My words. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. Good Lord.
So the Supreme Court says, now we're not going to hear the case. Okay. It will come back because there are other cases, there are other situations, and this will get addressed. And I don't understand on what planet it won't be said that a child who makes a decision doesn't have the right to impact other children. But if so, if that's how they rule, if you think people have been pulling their kids out of school now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And to that end, I'm fine with people pulling their kids out of school. We have to break the teachers' unions and break education as we know it. I don't know if it can be reformed, but I know nothing can happen until it is broken. And people have to start seeing how breaking the system can work for them and how they can make these changes and better their kids' education and create a safer education. We'll start talking about that more and more. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. seems that the story has grown. And when I, I saw that locally in Indianapolis, in, in some actual journalism, Fox 59 uh, had uh, the data as well, I said, okay, I'm going to continue this conversation and try and uh, make sure that, that we, we get to a place of some basic understanding. And let's start with the basic understanding. I hope Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, is okay and healthy. I know it's been a hard road, the addiction issues, and, and, and other things that have gone on with him and his life. I hope he's okay. But it seems now from two reports that he's not, and it is possible that the Indianapolis Colts organization has not been forthright regarding his condition. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. For the sake of, 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 also for the sake of clarity, I should say. I understand that this is all very, very fraught conversation. Uh, Certainly, you you, you can't be a guy in Indianapolis media of of any kind and you're just going to, run with some level of, of rumor and and go about making claims now nah, you're going to you're going to watch yourself for sure and in in any situation amongst anybody who's as high profile as as an ursay uh you'll always have people or at least I do because of of what I do there's always somebody who they got a little story on the side. They got a little story over here. Oh, oh this, uh, this mayor. Oh, I got a little story over here. Oh, uh, this uh, I got a little story about the governor over here. Oh, this this uh, council member. I got a little. Everyone's always got a little story. In my position, and I think you could appreciate this because you'd be like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I would do if I was doing it." You can't rely on on rumor and innuendo. You can't rely on, on somebody saying, "Oh, here's the deal." No, you need data. You need data in order to engage a conversation. Otherwise, you have absolutely nothing. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up to lawsuit and people will not, will not respect you. They won't support you. They won't be there when a mistake does get made because sometimes mistakes do get made. If you're not engaged in in honesty, and striving for that on every level and making sure that you've got a story together, well, then you don't have 
anything. You 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 can't you can't build anything uh, in 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 that world. I mean, you can for a short while, but it will burn bright. And it will burn fast. The story is is that the owner of the Indianapolis Colts was found unresponsive back in December in his home in Carmel, Indiana. TMZ broke the story. TMZ said that they got access to Carmel police documents that showed that uh, the police were dispatched about 4.30 in the morning. And uh, the quote here, uh, someone said they had found the Indianapolis Colts owner unconscious on a bathroom floor with a blue skin tone. Struggling to breathe, a weak pulse, constricted pupils. That that Narcan, that's utilized in, in uh, overdose situations, uh, was administered. So that's that's the, the 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 story that TMZ comes out with. Now, that's one heck of a story. The Indianapolis Colts had announced that he had been dealing, that Jim Irsay had been dealing with a, quote, severe respiratory illness. He actually missed a, a uh, opportunity to play with the Jim Irsay band in, in Los Angeles, right? He, he has not been around, and this is what the Colts said. I looked at this story from TMZ, and I said, okay, it's TMZ. This, this is gossip. It's what they do. And I could not tell you, not being enough of a follower on a daily basis of, of TMZ, how many of their gossip stories turn out to be factual versus not. What I can tell you is, certainly they have broken stories that have proven to be legitimate. So I said, okay, this is now getting picked up by NBC. It's getting picked up here and there. It's getting picked up by local Indianapolis media. I'm going to at least bring it up. And I did it on my morning show and I, I bring it up here. Fox 59, fox59.com, Max Lewis and Matt Adams reporting. They went about getting an access to public records uh, uh, request through the Carmel Police Department and got the records, including one of their anchors, Angela Gannote, who posted a screenshot of the actual records. A supplemental report, that, as they reported, as they wrote it, a supplemental report said Carmel police were called to, quote, assist fire with a male that was unresponsive breathing but turning blue. The report indicated it was the 64-year-old Jim Irsay. Now, with this reporting, it seems clear to me that the story has legs, that maybe there's something missing, but the story has legs. The Vice President of Communications and External Affairs with the Indianapolis Colts put out a statement, quote, Mr. Ursay continues to recover from his respiratory illness. We will have no further comment on his personal health, and we continue to ask that Jim and his family's privacy be respected. Look, I, I have, I don't think that 
that you have to tell us every time the owner of the Indianapolis Colts has the sniffles. I, 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 ag- I agree with this wholeheartedly. And I also think that it is okay for the organization and for the family to say, we're not sharing this with you. But there is something else at play here. And this is where I think that this won't be uh, about me or, or about media. It will be about the fan and it will be about the NFL. The protection that the NFL engages of the shield, the brand, man, that's pretty massive. And a question's going to get asked of whether or not this subject was honestly addressed or not because they did not want to create an issue with the league. That's going to come up. That is going to happen. This is, this is the kind of story that league owners look at and say, what are we dealing with here? How does this affect the brand? What do we want to do about that? We can't, that's going to come up. Will fans look at the Colts and say, you didn't tell us what was going on. Why not? Now, I could argue, based on how they do other things, they are not the biggest sharers in the world. We could say that about players and, and injuries and thoughts, etc. Uh, we've been saying this on and off in my conversations with, with JMV and others uh, for, for years. Maybe this is different, and I think that could be argued, and this is not something that gets shared. But that would have been fine if you didn't put out a cover story. You put out a story that said respiratory illness. Now, maybe because we're engaged in uh, maneuvering or being too cute by half, you can get away with that. It doesn't seem... Uh, if, if you're unresponsive, turning blue, and struggling to breathe, and you sell that as a... or, or push that as a respiratory illness, yeah, that's, that, that, is, that is not how that works. If a car is... is going fast down the street and there's an old woman in the street who's about to get hit and I grab her and 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 bring her to the ground to get out of the way and somebody writes the headline Tony Katz pushes old woman in the street that isn't what happens now maybe the two things are actually unrelated things Jim Irsay has this issue and then overcomes this issue lives through this and then happens to get a respiratory infection or has a respiratory illness that knocks him out for a while. People don't see him at events. He has to cancel concerts, et cetera. And so they say he has a respiratory illness. So maybe it's not so much a cover story. It is exactly where he's at, but it is not, again, as I was sharing with the story before, an engagement of what actually happened, the big story here. I wish Jim Mercer all the best. I have never met the man, ever Never, ever have met the man. And being somebody who has not dealt with recovery, I can only go by what I hear. And what I hear is, this is incredibly difficult stuff. The story here is going to be, you, 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 you told us this, but it was that. And is that the place of the organization to do? And how does it affect the NFL ownership? And could changes be made there? 
story um and 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 I must admit I I wonder out loud if the story is going to bring anger from fans and from others sponsors will they be will they say you weren't honest with us how dare you or or will they say well, we totally understand we hope he gets well because it see it would seem to me and I don't think I'm speaking out of school here that with the documents now out there that were saying, well, this is just a miscommunication. This here, here are the documents. If you want to now go about questioning them, feel free. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure I brought you the story. I think the story is strange. I think there are questions here, real, real big questions here regarding what, what comes next. But mostly I'm curious to see how fans, sponsors, and the NFL deal with being told that this was a severe respiratory illness. And then, of course, is that what was told? And other people knew what was happening, but we were the ones who didn't know what was happening? Who knew what, when, where, why, and how? That's the question. And I'm, I don't think the Colts are going to be able to not provide an answer to that. The question is, will it satisfy anyone? I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. mayor ain't easy and that's well important because local government is not easy and so much of the time we don't pay attention to local government enough we've certainly seen this in the world of news right local newspapers not having the people not having the ability to do the coverage so what do they sacrifice on the covering of local government mayor's races city council races city council activities town council activities And it is when there is no sunlight, well, that's when things can manifest and get really ugly. In Indiana, more than any place I've ever lived, there is a celebration of mayors and this, I don't call it a belief, call it a philosophy, call it whatever you will, that we expect not only a competence of them, but we, we want a growth from them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. One of the things I'm curious about, and I'm going to spend part of, of this year kind of investigating, how do mayors view growth? Now, I, I live in Carmel, and I know, I know, I know. It doesn't matter where you're from. You're like, oh, that place. The growth is nuts. What was done to this city by uh, then Mayor Jim Brainerd, who was just replaced in this last election by Sue Finkham, Look, I, I could say I have questions here, I have questions there. Some places money got spent, like I would not have done that. Some places money got spent and no one seemed to care. But people love the growth of Carmel. They love what Carmel is. And then you often get into this idea that are other cities looking to be Carmel? Well, I don't think that's what Kerry Thompson's looking for in Bloomington, is it? Bloomington isn't trying to be Carmel. Bloomington has IU. Bloomington has a whole identity. I, I think that their 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 viewpoint, their maybe their, uh, for, for lack of a better word, their value system, I don't mean that in any derogatory. I'm just trying to engage a differentiation. It, it's, it's different. Muncie, where we're heard on WMUN, they have had a tougher time of things 
But they've got Ball State, which right now, for many people, that's the thing that's keeping Muncie in a conversation. But Muncie has been trying. Muncie looks for opportunity. And so uh, people like Kerry Thompson of, of, of Bloomington, people like Dan Ridenauer of Muncie, these are people I want to talk to. One of the people I spoke with is the mayor of Zionsville, after spending all those years at WTHR, John Stair. John Stair joins us right now, the newly elected mayor of Zionsville. Uh, the former mayor gave you guys a lot of publicity. You may not have wanted, but there you are sitting in the chair before we get into uh, the, the, the future. From broadcasting uh, to public uh, service, uh, how has been the transition? Because you never know what my future holds. Hey, so far so good. You know, I, and I will say this, you talk about a transition. For me, I think broadcasting transitioned. When I first started over 40 years ago in broadcasting, I think it was a public service, and that's the way we saw it. Um, as you know, that broadcasting has morphed over the years and changed into something quite different. So I really see this as returning to my roots, you know, and, and trying to do things that are going to benefit the people around me. Back then, it was a free flow of information. Now it's maybe, you know, looking for some opportunities that we can, uh, that we can find to make our town move forward. Of course, John Stair spent 23 years as a lead anchor at WTHR, now sitting in, in the mayor's office. Uh, never mind the decision to run. It is a question of when you are a mayor, when you're on a city council, about the growth. And it's a question of do you want to grow or do you want the growth to be managed? How do you look at it? Oh, I think we want the growth to be managed. Absolutely. I think, I think growth is inevitable. And uh, it's, it's incumbent upon us to manage it as best we can to bring the most good for the most people. So what does that entail? Is this about, hey, we need to attract more uh, corporate entities because we want that tax base? Is this about we need to have more small businesses because that's how you better satisfy the constituency? Is, is it about uh, a conversation of housing? And if it's a mix, what does that mix look like? Well, uh, your answer, my answer to your question is yes, yes, and yes. It's all those things. Um, and we have to do it deliberately, deliberatively. And, um, you know, in Zionsville, we haven't done a new comprehensive plan here for 20 years. It's time that we do a new comprehensive plan because Zionsville's changed a lot over that time. The population has grown. The area has changed. We've uh, expanded by annexing several different uh, neighboring townships. So we need to take a look at, at what it is that people want. And it's got to be a true comprehensive plan. You know, that word has meaning to me. And I think that if we listen to all the voices and respect all the voices, that uh, in another year, year and a half, perhaps we'll have a plan that we can use as a guideline for the next 20 years. As of now, talking to John Stair, the mayor of Zionsville, what is that plan? What is, when, when you look at it and, and you and you ran for office, how were you explaining to people, this is where I think we can go? Well, I, I think that you mentioned it before in the tax base. Our tax base is heavily, heavily weighted toward property owners. And I think we need to have a better mix. Uh, and not only for our tax base, but just for the livability in our community to have more services that are close by, uh, to have more housing for, for people that, that can afford it. You know, our median home price here is very high. 
And, you know, I think, hey, I like our police officers. I like our teachers. I like our firefighters. And I would like for them to have the opportunity to live in our community, too. And right now, that's difficult. I don't think we have enough housing to, to bring in those folks. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things we have to look at to make a more vibrant community. But very often, that is seen as either, A, bringing in very large uh, corporations that have maybe have some undue influence or, or over-influence, or it means changes. For Zionsville, one of the big conversations was, do you change downtown, that quaint, beautiful uh, downtown Main Street that you have, and engage some mixed use, put in some some big old buildings? Uh, the answer w- w- that was given by the previous mayor was, no, we're not going to do this. Are projects like that back on the table? I think that our downtown is the heart and soul of Zionsville. And if you've been here, you know just how special it is. I think other municipalities around here would love to have a downtown like we do. That's the heart and soul. We need to protect that with everything we we have. However, if you look south of our current downtown, there's an area that I call South Village. It's 100 acres, and I think that some master planning there can do a lot to support our downtown as it currently exists. You know, I think the way to protect the downtown, to protect our brick street, is to put people in proximity to come and use it, to go to the restaurants, to go to the shops. And, you know, I think that's what we need to be thinking about. So in the South Village area, we'll have an area that has its own personality, but it's also going to be supporting the personality that we already have, the most important part of Zionsville, which is our brick street business district. The idea of personality could mean, look, maybe we could grow bigger, but that's not who we are. We want to grow this much, and that's it. Is is there a limit that a mayor should be uh, applying? Well, I think that, you know, the marketplace is going to dictate where things go. That's why we need a comprehensive plan so we have a strong voice in in how things develop. Uh, I'm not looking to, you know, recreate Uh, the Mile Square in downtown Indianapolis, I think that's exactly what we don't need here. But I think we do need some some places here and some opportunities to to allow for future growth and that are more forward-thinking, and they're going to support what we already have. Is there a business you'd like, talking to the mayor of of Zionsville, John Stair, is there an industry uh, uh, on the large scale or a business on the small scale that you would like Zionsville to have or have more of? Well, I think that uh, we're going to find our way in that. You know, Carmel has built itself upon those corporate headquarters and the arts. Um, Westfield is building itself upon sports. Uh, you have Fishers attracting a lot of high-tech companies. I think we'll find our niche here. Um, you know, obviously, we don't want to bring in heavy industrial companies. That's not really something that would, uh, that would be acceptable here or something that we really want to have here something that's needed here, but I think, uh, you know, some more office space, some more living spaces, uh, you know, some more restaurants and more more things that are going to attract people to come and, and spend time here. I think that would really that would really be a good way forward for us. Talk to me about your dealings with the, the, the state. You're not too far from where uh, this LEAP district has gone in, the serious level of controversy there about whether landowners were given an opportunity to understand what was happening before land was purchased, uh, the, the issue about uh, changing water uh, from, from the Wabash, uh, from West Lafayette, and, and bringing things in. Uh, is the state a worthy partner, or is the state a fight in your as you think of your comprehensive plan for growth? Well, the comprehensive plan hasn't been put together yet. So I have an open mind as to what that's going to tell us. 
Uh, as for being a partner of the state, you know, we'll take that as it comes. I have not had high-level conversations with uh, with state and its plans for the LEAP district. What I see at the LEAP district, though, is opportunity for us. As you said, it's not really in our area. It's, you know, 12 miles up the road. But I think when that begins to really develop there, whether it be 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years from now, that there's going to be support businesses that are going to be needed, uh, accounting firms, PR firms, logistics companies, dry cleaners, dentists, all that, all that stuff is going to come along with it. And I think there are some great opportunities for Zionsville to capture some of that growth uh, in the area of our town that is closer to the Leap District in proximity. I think people... Um forget the value of those ancillary businesses all the time. Uh, mayor John Stair, the mayor of Zionsville, before I let you go, now is the moment. Now is the microphone. Yeah. What is the one business you want to steal from Carmel and have them come to Zionsville? Say it now. <laughs> Put Mayor Finkham on the ropes. What is the one business you want to steal from Carmel? Go. I don't want to work with uh, Sue Finkham on the ropes. I, I want to be working cooperatively with her because I think, yes, we are competitive with one another, but I think we need to work together as well because as a group, we're competing with Nashville. We're competing with Cincinnati and Columbus and, and even Chicago. So we need to work together on economic development. And I think there's enough for everybody. We don't need to be stealing things from each other. I think if we work together, that's a better way forward. If I said Scott Fadness and Fishers, would you have answered differently? I would answer the same way. Uh, oh, he's been very supportive. Me. He and I have been in close contact. And, uh, you know, one of the things, as you know, Tony, we haven't done well here in Zionsville is build those bridges with nearby communities. I intend to, to work a lot harder at, at having those kinds of relationships with our neighbors. Without stealing from anybody else, give me one business type you'd love to see in Zionsville. Well, I think that, uh, you know, there are some, some high-tech opportunities that, that I hope would come our way. High-tech is is really where it is right now, and uh, that means flexible office space. That means, you know, the kind of – nobody needs a 15,000-square-foot office anymore. Um, they need smaller spaces, and hopefully we can provide some of that and, you know, give people the opportunity to work in an office part-time, work from home the rest of the time, and, you know, build a, a future-looking economy rather than an economy looking toward the past. I think you should go right for Carmel's soul personally. Just go right for it. Uh, Mayor John Stair of Zionsville, I appreciate you. I'm going to be talking to mayors from all across the region because that's another thing. Once you get out of the donut counties of Indianapolis, man, much different value system. Uh, again, potential, but different issues. What, they're deal what they deal with in Muncie and, and, and how they built out Yorktown, how they deal with Fort Wayne, different than how they would deal with, with, with Columbus, Indiana, or, 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 or Bloomington, or, or Martinsville, and... I want to hear, I want to understand what it is, what are the challenges uh, that, that one is up against and how one goes about solving them. How do you view it? Maybe there's a way to kind of help along some of this growth. We do what we can. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. You gotta know you're in a war to win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand, like most Republicans. And I think that's gonna require somebody who isn't bought and paid for, a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? And that's why I was in this race, but 
I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night, and I'm a big believer that we, the people, create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That we, the people, choose who leads this country. And so we heard we, the people, last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump for President of the United States and do everything in my power to lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. It was a good speech from Vivek. I don't think that's deniable. You don't forget the skill set. For sure. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. And he's been picking up endorsements, congressional endorsements, uh, Senate endorsements, gubernatorial endorsements, getting Ramaswamy. All the momentum in the world. I mean, we were discussing it. Yes, there is a way that he screws it all up or that it all gets screws, screwed up for him. But man, that's, that, is, that is small percentage numbers. You gotta... The amount of things that would have to go in a, a Nikki Haley favor or a Ron DeSantis favor. Again, I say to you, where's the money? And I'm a DeSantis guy. Like, I'll take his track record and be like, yeah, go do that. I'm fine. And less baggage, easier to get over the hump in November. I'm good to go. Trump is a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. Please, can we just agree on that? He's a heavy lift in November for the rest of the country. Heck, he's a heavy lift for a fair amount of the other 50% of Republican voters. At least based on Iowa. Let's see what New Hampshire does. Uh, but he, the, the momentum is, 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 is there. Now, compare that Vivek commentary to John Kerry in Davos at the World Economic Forum. John Kerry, the climate envoy, former senator from Massachusetts, former secretary of state, former presidential candidate, and terrible at all of it, talking about why he's supporting Joe Biden. I will campaign for President Biden. I will certainly, because the stakes could not be higher for our country, for the world. The stakes are as high as they get and as high as I've seen in the course of my public service. So I am going to campaign very happily because I think he's done a terrific job. He's shown experience. He's kept us from, you know, having a, a, you know, a complete breakout of uncontrolled war in many regions. But what? He's done what now? He's kept us? Joe Biden has kept us from war? Oh, my. Oh, my. Ew, David. Seriously. There's the difference. Vivek at least is trying to inspire, and John Kerry is still lying directly to your face. That is just nutty, nutty stuff. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. Become a supporter over there. Get the videos. Get all the good stuff you can't get anywhere else, TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care. Take care.